0: Good morning again. We're going to jump back into the series, The Bible Doesn't Say That, and over the last several weeks we've looked at a lot of different things, and and I just want to remind you, because it's important I think you understand why we're doing what we're doing, that's kind of how I'm wired, is because I do believe there are things that we've all heard said, and maybe sometimes we've even said them and inspired them that God said them, and the truth is... He didn't say them, and the problem with that is, then we kind of uh, give God credit for different things that he didn't say, and consequently, we end up living in a way that we shouldn't be living, so it's important for us to look at a few things and say, what does the Bible say, because the Bible obviously didn't say some things. For example, we started with the notion of, we've all heard it said, hey, we shouldn't judge other people, and so we looked at Scripture, we find out the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, what the Bible does is it condemns worldly judging, but it advocates believers making judgment calls. And then the week after that, we talked about happiness, and you know, there's so many people I've heard say, you know, God just wants me to be happy. And guess what? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that God's greatest desire for us is not to be happy, but to be holy, right? And then last week, we tackled the one that everyone goes to a better place when they die. And if you weren't here, I challenge you to go back and listen to that because one thing that I know to be true, if you read Scripture, is this, is that not everyone goes to a better place. In fact, if you're a believer and you pass away, we are understating the truth by just saying, you're going to a better place. You're not going to a better place. You're going to a glorious place. You're going to a place in the presence of our Savior. It's better than better. It's amazing. And so to say that a believer is just going to a better place is understating the truth. But to say that a non-believer, a GOAT, Someone who's going to a better place when they pass away is an overstatement of the truth. And so today we're going to take a look at another statement, the one that maybe I've heard more than any of these that we're going to be talking about. And it's this, that God won't give me more than I can handle. Anybody ever heard that said? Come on. I'm not going to ask if you said it, but you've heard it. God won't give me more than I can handle. I've heard counselors say it. I've heard pastors from platforms say it. You know, God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, here's the problem with that statement. Now, you're going to have to follow me today because I'm going to confuse you on purpose a little bit, all right? But I want you to stay with me. The problem with that statement is this. To say that God will never give me more than I can handle is basically to say that God is not ultimately in control. Now, here's what I mean. Have we all experienced things that we could not handle? Yes. Have we all, maybe it was a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, or some kind of tragic thing that happened in our lives. Something happened, and we looked in that moment and go, I simply can't handle what is happening. So if we're going to say that God is ultimately, will never give us any more than we can handle, yet we have experiences of things that we couldn't handle, either God wasn't on his A game or God was unaware, ultimately God must not be in control. So there's a problem with this statement. Now, here's where the statement comes from. Let me just read a verse to you. It's not where we're going to land today. We're going to be a different passage. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, here's where most people get this statement. It says this, and I think it'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation underline that word temptation if you have it open there. no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted underline that word beyond your ability but with the temptation underline it he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now here's what Paul says in that passage. First of all, God is faithful. We would all agree with that, right? God is faithful. But then he says this, is that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. Because at the moment we get tempted and it's almost beyond our ability, Paul says God provides a way of escape. In other words, we are tempted, are we not? Now God doesn't tempt us, God tests us, but God does allow the devil to tempt us, And he says that when you're tempted, there's moments that you may feel like it's beyond what you can handle. And you just need to know that in that temptation, God always provides a way out. So, if we want to say this, that God will never allow me to be tempted beyond what I can handle without providing a way out, that's 100% true. But to say that God never gives me more than I can handle is not true. See, this verse talks about temptation, But when we say that God doesn't give me more than I can handle, we're talking about pain and suffering, aren't we? Now, here's the thing. This statement, God will never give me more than I can handle, is simply not true. Now, here's where I'm going to go this morning. This is so important. If that statement's not true, that means the opposite is true. Right? For example, if God is not darkness, then God has to be what? Light. Light. So if he's not this, this must be true. And if God is not ever going to give us more than we can handle, it's not true that here is the truth. God does give us, God does allow us to go over things and things come into our lives that's more than we can handle. Now some of you don't like to hear that, but it is true. You can't read a chapter or a book in the Bible and not see this play itself out. God does allow things to come into our lives, and God does give us things that is more than we can handle. I'm not talking about temptation because 1 Corinthians 10 13 is all about temptation. What we're talking about today is suffering and pain and loss and those kinds of things. God does allow those things in our lives, God does give us things that's more than we can handle. So here's the question why? Why does God allow things into our life, or even give things and put things into our lives that's more than we can handle. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to be with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're going to be this morning. And I just want to read three verses to you, and we're going to unpack them. Because in these three verses, we're going to find four reasons why God gives us more than we can handle. Now let's just real quick, Paul. Any of you ever thought of it that way? So we think of it the other way. Well, God would never give me more than we can handle. Well, that's just Foolish. Because there's a lot of things I can look in life and go, I was at a place I couldn't handle that. So if that statement is true, God is not authoritative, God is not in control, and God is not sovereign. But if he is sovereign, and he is in control, then we have to look at it and go, well, maybe God does give us things that we can't handle, so why does he do that? First, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, in starting in verse 7 apostle paul is talking he said so to keep me from becoming conceited because of my surpassing greatness let's think about that because god didn't want me to be conceited because i'm just awesome i I mean it's kind of what he just said right there how many of you feel that way yourself that you're just awesome right but paul understands something we'll get to this so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations he wasn't him he was talking about the revelations A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that I should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Strong. Now, there's four things I want you to know. When you ask the question, why does God give me more than I can handle? Now, please don't miss this. I'm not talking about temptation. God does not tempt us. And when temptation becomes overwhelming and temptation is common to man, God always provides a way of escape. Don't miss that. But when it comes to pain and suffering and loss and tragedy and those kinds of things, why does God allow those things to come into my life? The first reason is this, to keep us humble. To keep us humble. Look what Paul said in verse 7. He said this, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to keep me from becoming conceited. See, Paul understood a few things. Paul understood that, that God was moving in his life. I mean, just think about Paul's story. Paul was a guy who was a Pharisee, a religious Jewish leader, who had a mission in life, and that was to kill... Christians, to persecute Christians. In fact, several weeks ago, we even looked at the story where he was the guy that was holding the coat of the guy who stoned the first Christian martyr, Stephen. I mean, that's who this guy was. And on the way to Damascus to go do more persecuting, the resurrected Jesus showed up to him and his life drastically changed. In fact, if you read the New Testament, here's one conclusion you would have. Outside of Jesus, Paul was the biggest mover and shaker of the gospel that there was. 13 of the 27 letters written by Paul. Half of the book of Acts is about the missionary journeys of Paul. Paul understood God was moving in his life. Because he says it here. He says, you know, so I wouldn't be conceited because of the passing greatness of the revelation. In other words, God was revealing things to me. And what he was revealing was awesome. And I was doing a lot for the kingdom of God. But Paul also understood that in that moment, because of God's work in his life, it would be easy to become arrogant and conceited. And Paul says this. So, a thorn was given to me In the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. So, this guy who was a mover and shaker, God gave him and allowed him to have a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble so he wouldn't be arrogant. Now, just real quick, I kind of want to divert for a minute. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. There are many scholars that have speculated, and listen, I've spent the last couple weeks, and I've read everything I can get my hands on. Some people say maybe it was the persecution. But bottom line, most conservative theologians say this, that probably some physical ailment that God allowed into his life, most scholars believe it was his eyesight. We don't really know, but what we do know is that he had a thorn in the flesh, a physical affliction. So here's my question. Why would God do that? Isn't there better ways, God, to humble us? Isn't there better ways, God, to get our attention? I mean, you showed up to him one in Damascus and got his attention. How about we try that one again, right? But instead, God says, listen, I'm gonna humble Paul, and the way I'm gonna do is i is I'm gonna give him a thorn in the flesh. Now, why would God do that? And here's why, and I want you to hear this, because God understands something we don't. He understands the severity of arrogance. He understands that when his children become arrogant... That their life, their story become less about him and more about themselves. That now that we will be the ones that will be quick to take the credit and take the focus for what God is doing, and we will quit giving him credit and quit giving him our focus. And I just want to tell you today, I believe for all of us in the room, the greatest hurdle for us as Christians is arrogance. Because let's be honest. Don't we like credit? Come on, do you like credit? Liars, come on. Don't you like credit? There are some times, there's been occasions in our marriage where, I'm not lying, I love credit. I love when people go, you did a great job, because there's a lot of things I stink at. So I love, there's a couple of years ago, Sonia was gone for a couple of days, and I decided that, you know, and I never decide the day, two days before she gets home, it's always the morning before she gets home, and then I run around like a chicken with my head cut off, you know, that kind of scenario. And I decided to get all the laundry done stuff, and I did the dishwasher and get it all ready and all this stuff, and she walks in, and I'm standing by the dishwasher like this, You know? <laughs> Now, what do I want her to notice? Hey, I've missed you for two days. I'm glad you're home. No, I want you to notice I have done all the dishes, and I want the pat on the back. Spiritually, don't we want the same? <laughs> hey, there's an, I would love to be able to stand up here and go, we've had all these people saved and baptized in the last six and a half years. But if I'm not careful, that would come out of my mouth as sheer arrogance and giving me the credit instead of God the credit. Because we like credit. And we starve that kind of attention. But the truth of the matter is this. One of the greatest hurdles we have is arrogance. Because when we are arrogant, we put the focus on us and we take it off of him. That's why Jesus says, may people see your good works so they may praise your Father in heaven. Not you, but him. And arrogance is one of the greatest obstacles we have. And God knew that about Paul and he knows it about us. So he gave Paul a thorn to keep him humble to remind him who gets the credit, to remind him who's in control, and to remind him who's the boss. Here's a question. Is it possible God would give us a thorn to keep us humble? And the answer is yes. It is possible that God could give us a physical affliction to keep us Humble. Now, am I saying that all your suffering and all your physical afflictions are his way of giving you a thorn? I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying, you can find biblical precedents that this is true. For example, the book of Job. I mean, here's a guy that God, I mean, I, I don't understand this. This blows my mind theologically. But somehow, God allowed Satan into heaven for a little bit. And they're having a conversation. And God says, listen, there's Job. He's blameless. And Satan goes, well, I'll show you he's not faithful, God. Let me go after him. And if you read the first book of Job, most of us will go, this is beyond what anybody could handle. He lost all of his livestock. He lost his living. He lost all of his kids. He had nothing. And yet at the end of chapter 1, he gets on his knees, he rips open his shirt, and he beats his chest, and he thanks God and praises God for who he is. For ashes I came and ashes I shall go. There's a precedence in that story that God allowed the devil to, under his control under god's control to have certain levels of affliction because god wanted to draw something out of job and if you read the book of job you know what god wanted to draw out that job was to be faithful to god because god was faithful in fact one of my favorite passages in job is in like verse chapter 28 when he says job where were you when i put the stars in a place job where were you when i separated the water you weren't there job why because i'm god and you're not job and i'm faithful you need to be faithful And I'm just saying this to you because we need not to underestimate that God will do whatever it takes to get our attention and to keep us humble. And for Paul, he used a messenger of Satan under God's authority to go and implement a thorn in the flesh for Paul to keep him humble. So number one, why does God allow things more than we can handle into our lives? To keep us humble. Number two, to lead us to depend on him more. Verse eight says this. Look at me in verse eight. He says this. He says uh, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. Now, Paul, Paul, I get Paul. Wouldn't you pray for that too, God? There's a thorn in my flesh. In other words, there is something. Have you ever had a thorn in your finger that you couldn't get out? What happens when you can't get it out? Now, I'm just and once again. I'm gonna be honest. I am a big old baby, right? And some of you are, and you'll just pick and cut and pick and cut, and I'm like, "Oh, would you please get this out?" I mean I mean, what happens to a thorn that's in your flesh that you can't get out? It festers, it, festers, it gets infected, and that small little thorn creates all kind of havoc, right? And the same thing is true for Paul. And you think about it. This thorn, the reason God allowed Paul to have more than he could is to remind Paul that he needed to lead him to depend more on him. Because when Paul says, I implored, that's really the word. It says, I think it says here in verse eight, he says, "I, I, I pleaded with the Lord. The word is implored, which means I cried out to God. In other words, Paul says, there's like three times in my life that I really was considering this thorn, this thing that's ailing me, this thing that's annoying me, and I plead out with God going, God, I don't have the answers. God, this thing is stressing me out. It's wearing me out. God, would you please just take it from me? It's almost like Paul is saying, I finally got to the end of my rope, and I did the thing I should have done from the beginning with. I began to plead and depend on God. Right? Right? So he wasn't trying to figure this thorn thing out. He was going to God with this thing. Now, isn't it true that typically in the valleys of life, we are more willing to cry out to God than we are on the mountaintops? See, when life is good, we tend to ignore God. And when all things break loose, oh God, would you just help me? In fact, Jonah experiences. Jonah chapter 2. Do we have those verses? Jonah chapter 2, verse 2 says this. And Jonah says, I will call out to the Lord of my distress. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, where was Jonah when this happened? In the belly of the great fish, and he cried out to God. Verse seven says this, Jonah chapter two. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. In other words, there's two times in the book of Jonah that Jonah cried out to God. And here's the whole point. God will give us more than we can handle so that we will learn to depend on him more. Because you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But we know who does. And this is a quick question. Isn't it foolish not to consult the one who has all the answers? But yet we do it all the time, don't we? And why would God allow us to have more than we can handle? One, to keep us humble. Two, so that we would learn to depend on him more. Number three, and this is maybe my favorite one, is because he wants to show us his grace. Now listen, let me define grace for you. Grace is the undeserving, unmerited love and favor of God. Meaning, we don't deserve his love, we don't deserve his affection, but he gives it to us anyway. Now look what Paul says in verse 9, the very first part. He says this, But he, who's he? Jesus, said to me, My grace is what? Sufficient. Sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. In other words, my grace is enough for you, Paul. My love for you that you don't deserve, Paul, it is enough. In other words, he's telling Paul this, Paul, I'm going to give you relief. But I'm not going to give you relief by removing the thorn. I'm going to give you relief by giving you the grace you need to get through it. Now, I just want to tell you something. All the time, I, I, I don't post a ton on Facebook, but I watch it, and I'll see people say different things on Facebook like, this happened, that happened, and God is good. And I just want to post back and go, well, if it hadn't happened, is God still good? You know, I lost my car keys, but all of a sudden a bird flew over and dropped them from the sky. And I was at, there's my car, and God is good. Well, what if you didn't find your car keys? God is still good, Maybe. isn't he? See, I think one of the reasons we, God allows things into our lives is because he wants to show us his grace. We tend to think that God's grace is, God, I'm going through something. Would you take the pain away, God? Would you remove it from my life? That's not always how God operates. And in Paul's life, God did not remove the thorn, but he gave him grace to get through it. That's how God operated. So when he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, here's what he's saying. Paul, my love for you is enough to help you endure what you're going through, Paul. You know why it's enough? Listen, you know why it's enough? Because I'm with you, Paul. You remember Psalms 23 when David, psalmist there, he writes... and. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're and your staff. you comfort me. Now, just real quickly, you probably already know this, but there was really a valley of the shadow of death. And it was a big valley, and most shepherds would herd their sheep, and they would run through the valley, because in a valley, in Middle Eastern like, culture, there were predators. And when you would take your sheep through the valley, you knew you were going to suffer loss. And so you would herd your sheep as fast as you could to get through there. So when you got to the other side, the the cost was minimal. But yet David, who declared that God was his shepherd, made this statement. I will walk through the valleys of my life. And I know they're predators, God. God. I know there's the devil out there to get me and scheme against me, but God, when I go through a valley or a suffering or a moment in my life, I'm not going to run through it, God. I'm going to walk. You know why? Because you are with me. See, when he says my grace is sufficient, he's saying, Paul, my love for you is enough to get you through it because I'm with you, Paul. And when he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, he's saying, Paul, my grace is enough because my grace is enough to strengthen you, Paul. Here's the thing that I think we all need to understand. When you find yourself going through a time of suffering or a thorn in your flesh or a moment when life seems to be unraveling, God's not just allowing you to go through it so you can just endure it. God's letting you go through it because he wants to grow you through it. See, God never wastes pain in our life. There's never a moment you go through something that God doesn't want to teach us something. So when he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient, it wasn't just saying, "God, Paul, I'm giving you my grace and my love just to get you through it because I'm with you. But, But, Paul, I'm giving you my grace and love to strengthen you so that you can grow from the thorn that's in your flesh, Paul. Now, the same thing is true for us. When we face moments of suffering that we just can't handle, we need to be reminded that God's grace is enough. It's enough to get us through it. And he's with us. And it's enough to strengthen us and to grow us and to teach us what we need to know as we journey through it. See, for God, listen, for God, escaping suffering is not what he desires. Embracing it and growing through it is what God desires. So why does God give us more than we can handle? To humble us. To lead us to a point where we really depend on him. And to show us his grace. And let me give you one more real quick. And it's the, this one. To experience his power. Back to verse 9. It says this. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And in other words, God didn't just want Paul to have his, uh, show him his grace. He wanted to show Paul his Power. That's why Paul writes this, that God said this, that my power is made perfect in weakness. Let's just be honest. Sometimes suffering has to happen to burn away the pride that's in our life. Right? See, pride says, I have all the answers. But most of us figure out this through tragedy and struggle and difficulties. We don't have all the answers. That's some things God is teaching me. I don't have all the answers. Right? But in my weakness... When I recognize I don't have all the answers, and in my weakness, I am perfectly positioned to tap into the power of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. His power is in me. And when I go through struggles, and I go through difficulties, and when I go through the valleys of life, instead of me depending on what I know, I can admit that I'm weak, and I don't have the right answer, and now I'm perfectly positioned to let God's power work through me. Do you understand that? And so Paul says this, Paul says, because of that, I'm going to boast all the more of my weakness. Why? Because when I boast about my weakness, here's what it reminds me. It reminds me that I need the power and the presence of God in my life. See, when your marriage is falling apart, or your parenting is falling apart, or your finances falling apart, or your relationships are falling apart, our first inclination is for us, at least it's my first inclination, for me to try to figure this thing out. And here's what I find out. I'm the idiot that got me into the mess. I'm probably not going to have the answer. Maybe I should go to the one who does have the answer. Right? And when I do that, And acknowledge that I am weak. Now, how hard is that for us to do? Bill and I were having a conversation last night. How hard is it for men, especially, to admit that we are weak? Very hard. I'm not weak. Look at me. I'm not talking muscular. I'm talking spiritually, emotionally. But listen to me. In my weakness, when I realize I don't have the answers, I'm perfectly positioned to let God's power flow through me and use me. And so Paul says, I'm going to boast about my weakness because every time I remind myself that I am weak, that I don't have the answers, I'm reminding myself of my need for God's power and presence in my life. And then here's Paul's conclusion, verse 10. He says this, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. That's a grand paradox, isn't it? That weakness can be viewed as strength. And here's what Paul says, that I'm content with wherever God has me because here's what I've learned, that when I realize that I am weak and I don't have the answers, but Christ in me does, then I find out I really am strong. Not because I'm awesome, but because he's awesome and he lives inside of me. And see, this is totally opposite of what the world says. The world says this to you, hey, dig deeper. Hey, suck it up. Hey, toughen up. Hey, grind this thing out, right? Right? But here's what God says to you. Just depend on me. I'm enough. I'm sufficient. You listen, you don't have to have all the answers. Because I do. And that's why God oftentimes allows us to have more than we can handle. I was reading a lot this week and I came across a quote that I want to share with you as we wrap it up this morning. It's from a pastor John MacArthur. And he says, This having a proper perspective on trouble. Trials and suffering is the cornerstone of the Christian living and the Christian life. Focusing all one's efforts on removing difficulties is not the answer. Believers need to embrace the trials of God uh, that allows them to undergo knowing that those trials reveal their character. It humbles them and it draws them closer to God and allows him to display his grace and his power in their lives. They should heed the counsel of the Apostle James when he says this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance and letting endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. See, understanding this whole trial thing is really part of the Christian living and the Christian life. And we either can fight it or oh, we can realize God allows things to come into your life, and why does he do that? See, some of you in the room today, maybe you're here, and maybe you feel like you have a thorn in the flesh. I know I do. I mean, Bill and I spent some time talking about last night. It's like there's a thorn in your flesh. And you're like, okay, I got this thorn, and, and Doug, I, I'm kind of like Paul. I don't want it to be here, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed. But Doug, here's the truth. It's still here. It's still right there. It is in my face. The pain, the hurt, the annoyance, it is still right in my face. Well, here's the thing I'd ask you to think about. Maybe God allowed that to humble you. Maybe God allowed that so that you would learn that you need to depend more on him. Maybe God allowed that because he wanted you to see his grace is sufficient to get you no matter what you're going through. Or maybe God allowed that so that you might experience his power in your life. Maybe, just maybe, God's allowing whatever you're going through right now. So I have three prayers for us today. The first prayer is this, that we would know that when God allows things to come into our life, he's not doing it to pay us back or to punish us. He's doing it to draw us in. He's doing it to remind us our need for him, and he's doing it to refine us to be the follower of Jesus that he's called us to be. That's one prayer I have for you, that you would know that. Number two, I pray this, that we would know that in our weakness, because of Jesus, actually, we are strong. I marvel at some of the things Paul said. Paul said some crazy stuff, but one thing that most messes with me is when in Romans he says, for I am more than a conqueror in him. Now, I didn't say he's more than a conqueror. He says, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. That because Christ lives in me, what this world can throw at me, nothing can stop me. For if God is for me, who can what? Who can be against me? That God is on my side, that I'm with him, and that I'm trusting him. Jesus said this way, with man all things are impossible, but with God all things are what? Possible. Understanding that in my weaknesses, truly now I am strong. Not because I can muster up the strength, but because I'm letting God's spirit flow through me, and I'm leaning on his strength. Haven't you ever had that moment in your life when you thought, man, I can't make it through another moment because this has happened and all of a sudden as a believer, you prayed and you called out to God and you just felt this warm, loving arms wrap around you and go, we're gonna get through this. You're gonna be okay. I got you. This is a valley and I know it hurts, man, it hurts crazy, but I got you. I'm gonna walk this journey with you and I'm here because I love you and we're gonna be okay. You ever had that moment? That is the power of God moving in your life. Don't neglect it. So here's my final prayer for us today. That we would just simply ask the question, God, because this stuff that's going on in my life, why are you letting it happen? Are you trying to humble me and teach me? Are you trying to show me that I'm way too, too dependent upon myself? I need to depend on you more? Are you doing it, God, because you want to show me your grace? That Because I'm trying to figure out the answer, but the truth is you have the answers. I just need to trust you, God. You've got this. Are you doing this, God, because maybe I'm relying on my own strength and power, and today I just need to trust you? So I'm going to I'm gonna ask you to just stand up with me. Everybody stand up. And I'm just going to pray for us this morning. Then we're going to worship, and we'll dismiss in a minute. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And nobody's just going around. I just want to pray for some folks. If you just feel like, hey, Doug, I don't know if this is a thorn in my flesh but there's some definitely some things in my life where it's really hit me hard and I'm really struggling, some suffering, some tragedy, some loss. Would you just put your hand up? Because, man, I'm in that category. I got some things I'm working through. Yeah, come on. Come on, be honest. Be bold. Yeah. Okay, you can put them back down. I just want to pray for us this morning. And I want us to understand that maybe God's allowed those things into our life because he's trying to teach us something. Maybe it's humility. Maybe it's our need to depend on him. Maybe it's that his grace is enough. Or maybe it's that we're leaning on our own strength instead of trusting his. I don't know why. But would you just ask him why today? Would you ask him what's the reason you're going through what you're going through? Father God, I love you. And I thank you for all those people that have the courage to raise their hand and go, you know what, Doug, that's me. I'm the person that, man, life has happened. I've gone through loss or tragedy or struggle. And I, I'm wrestling and God, may you may you correct our thinking today. May you correct it to help us remember that the statement that you will never give us more than we can handle is just simply not true. That you do give us more than we can handle. And it's on purpose. But it's for a reason. And that reason is not to push us away. That reason is not to punish us. That reason is to draw us in. And to refine us and mold us and shape us To be the kind of Christ follower you want us to be. So God, I just pray today, wherever we find ourselves, that we would simply just ask you why this morning. Is it because I'm too prideful and arrogant and I need to be humbled? Is it because I'm too independent and I need to depend on you? Is it because I'm trying to figure this thing out instead of trusting your grace is enough to get me through it? Or is it because I think I have the strength to endure But I need to be reminded, no, I don't. I need your strength. So, God, I don't know the why for anybody in the room, but I ask you to speak to us. I ask your Holy Spirit to move in this place today and that we would begin to deal with the things that you put into our lives so that we can understand them, but ultimately grow from them and grow through them. For it's in your precious Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.